Welcome to the Calm Nights, Strong Days podcast. With over 30 years in the health and wellness industry, I've realized there's no one-size-fits-all solution for sleep and stress resilience. What affects one person's sleep and ability to handle stress is different for each of us. The stage of life you're in, work and home stressors, your DNA, genetics, upbringing, social life, and more all affect how your body handles stress and your quality of life. Join me as we explore a variety of tools, strategies, and solutions I've employed with clients over the years in solo episodes, as well as insightful interviews and experts. Together, we'll unravel more pieces of the puzzle, empowering you on your journey to calm nights and strong days. So let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode six of the Burnout Expert podcast. I am really excited for today's episode. I had a bit of a plan of what we were going to talk about, and this popped up this week, and I knew I had to put it in, and I bumped the other episodes. So what happened this week is that Whoop, that's one of the health trackers that I do use, they came out with a day stress monitor. And oh my God, this week in my coaching sessions, it has been a game changer for any of my clients who have come in with um, a Whoop band, any of them that do wear Whoop band. And I also do have a group in Whoop on their platform um, called Beat Burnout. And in that group, we've talked to some people too, and they've been finding the information that they have found just unbelievable like it's really there's so much guessing that goes on when you are trying to figure out what are your biggest triggers and we had somebody in the group this week as well that said she found out that it's actually when she's driving that are her highest stress scores and this is amazing because when you can actually see what is stressing out your body the most then you can start taking action on those items. So driving, I was sitting there thinking, okay, well, we can focus on breathing. You're most likely breathing through your mouth while you're driving then because you are in a stressed state. When you're in a stressed state, you switch from nose to mouth. So as soon as you realize when you're driving, you're breathing through your mouth, switch to your nose. Focusing on that would already make a difference in their stress scores. And they could also add music that is 60 or 70, more 70 beats per minute is the beat that your heart beats when you're in a relaxed state. And so when they're driving, they can do those two things. Change their music to a 70 beat per minute music, as long as I would never, ever advise this for somebody who's driving home after a very long shift and is tired, especially a night shift, because it may relax you so much and, and there's a risk to falling asleep. So I would not. You actually want to be in a more of alert state when you're driving, if, especially if you're coming home from shift. So just be cautious in what I'm saying. Know when to try these things and when not to. But for somebody that is a Monday to Friday person driving during the day on your way to work, on your way home, it's stressful. But we could also dive into why is that that 
that drive stressful? Is it that you are on your way to work? Like it would be fascinating to see if your stress scores in driving on your way to work or coming home are really, really high. That could signal that either work or your um, home life is super, super stressful. So it gives us a direction on where to start. I see this all the time with first responders. We're going to work. They're preparing for what might happen on shift. There's so many stressors during COVID. It was crazy that a lot of them the night before their stress scores would get so high before going on shift. We find this in corporate as well, where when you are struggling with a lot of things at work, depending what it is, it could be toxic environment at work, that their stress scores increase Sunday night before going into the office on Monday. So this is very, very, very fascinating. I was thinking of all of the uses that we could use this for, the stress monitoring. The stress scores are what have really brought me over to WHOOP and or their strain score. Their strain score it would go up during the day for me without me working out, without, and, and I see this in my burnout uh, and burnout and highly stressed clients where they're not working out or they're at work or they're at home and their stress scores are going up to where they would go for a professional athlete in a game. And those are definitely signs of burnout, signs that your body is being stressed, but where and how? So I've always, I've always thought that if they could take the stress, their strain score and tell you where your strain was going up during the day, it would be a game changer with me being able to really even dive in with clients or for you just yourself to take ownership of the, of, of, understanding where your stressors are. And then you can come to me if you're not able to dive in and mitigate those stressors and figure out, okay, how can I fix this? When you don't know your stress triggers, we often start focusing on the wrong direction. We might be overtraining. So you're hitting the gym, you're doing all of the things, but if you know your strain scores, if you know your stress monitoring and you can see in your stress monitoring that it's taking you a long time for your body to recover post-workout, then that is a sign that you're overtraining. So having these scores allows you to push to the maximum to get maximum results in the gym without overtraining, like just phenomenal. Um, for me as well, I am a highly sensitive person, which means that how I describe this is like a, uh, a drug dog or any of the dogs that are trained for drugs, for bombs. We can't smell the drugs that lots of these dogs can smell. We can't smell the bombs, the explosives, but these dogs can. And when they do whatever their command is, either bark or sit, when they smell whatever it is that they are trained to smell, their handler knows that that individual, that, 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 that there's a high probability, I don't know what the probabilities are in this, but a very, very, very high probability that there is a bomb there. 
that are an explosive, that there is a, um, there are drugs there and they don't, they don't question what their dog is doing when their dog is very consistent in this. So when that comes to me, I am very highly sensitive with scents, synthetic fragrances. So the science behind synthetic fragrances is that they actually do disrupt your hormones. And so your hormones allow you to repair, to think, to have a, a fresh cognitive brain, reproductive system, uh, healing, repairing your digestion, your cholesterol, your blood pressure, all of these things are managed by all different hormones. There are 50 hormones that your stress system is actually in charge of. You're sleeping. I may have already said that. Uh, your stress response. All of these are, are responsible by your stress hormones. And when you, when a synthetic fragrance is introduced into your body, it goes into the receptor site. So what I say is normally you have these hormones floating around in your body and there's a car that comes by and picks up that hormone and brings it to wherever it needs to be in the body to, to tell the body what to do for reproductive, for pain, for focus, for cognitive memory, for um, short-term memory, all of these things. It tells your body what to do for blood sugars. And it goes to that receptor site and the receptor then gets the signal and does its thing. But a synthetic hormone, what it does is a synthetic hormone goes in and hops in that car, takes the place of that real hormone and goes to the receptor site and can do a couple of things. It can mess up the receptor site because it doesn't know what to do, or it can mess up the signal, which can cause mood issues, mood irregularities. It can cause brain fog. It can cause your sleep to get off, reproductive, metabolism, cholesterol, uh, blood sugars off, all of these things that your hormones, depending on what the hormone disruptor that's coming into it does. So my son and I are very, very, very sensitive to synthetic fragrances. And I'll be showing you actually the stress monitor. It's fascinating because the subway we really struggle with because quite often, as soon as we step on, if there's somebody beside us that has used fabric softener and uh, if they use like maybe a, a strong soap, so Tide, Purex, a lot of these um, washing soaps, as well as a very scented fabric softener. If we're standing beside them, both of us start getting agitated. My son's anxiety starts kicking in um, and our brains get foggy and our energies just go down. And it's hard to explain that to somebody who's not experiencing it. And so interestingly, this week I'll show you, um, I'm doing this on video as well. I put up a couple of slides and I'm going to put this on my um, YouTube channel as well. And I'll put the link in the show notes because I'm going to show you my stress monitor. And you'll see when I was on a subway where there was a huge smell and you'll see instantly I spiked in the high stress zone. So this is why I get so excited about this monitoring is because the stressors that we experience in a day are so different from person to person. And it could be a food tolerance. One night while I was doing this, we were eating this really delicious, um, spicy tomato, um, Indian tomato soup. And 
I spiked. It was good. It was delicious, but the um, the heat was was more than I than I probably. Well, no, it was good. It was heat that I really liked, but it did challenge me, and it actually set off my stress marker too. So it's interesting, but you'll see I recovered quickly after. Like right after I was done eating, we went down. I was good. That that is not a long term stress that you really need to worry about unless you're stressing your body on a regular basis and your body can't handle extra stress being putting put on it. So when you're seeing this, you're going to be able to see what you're really, what is stressing at your body and how much. And one thing I'm going to explain to you from this week, I knew stressed out my body, but I enjoyed it. And I was like, ah, it doesn't stress me out that much. It doesn't cause me too many issues, but holy crap, seeing it on the stress monitor this week, I'm like, oh, I really need to watch that habit. So I'm going to go over that with you today. So when you don't know all of these stress triggers, like, as I said, driving, if you can just change some of your habits while you're driving in order to be able to help you not get agitated by everybody else around you while you're driving and make sure that you're not clicking into your stress system that can decrease a stress on your body if you're driving every day multiple times a day think of how learning how to manage that stress can compound over a year over two years taking it away but think about keeping it in there if you're continually keeping in that driving all of the time and you have some other stressors going on in your life, then that increases your stress burden on your body to a way that eventually may push you over. Same thing with overtraining. If you're overtraining, not on purpose, you're overtraining because you love to push, you love the gym, you love seeing your friends at the gym, you have a community, like CrossFit community is huge. But let's say that having four CrossFit workouts a week, you start seeing in your stats pushes your body over the edge where you can't recover, but three is good for you. Imagine how it would be just adjusting to three CrossFit workouts a week instead of four or vice versa, two to three. And you might see start seeing more gains when your body's able to heal and repair. You're able to get way more gains in the gym, you'll start hitting more personal bests. If you take that one out and reduce those overtraining symptoms, but you don't know unless you can actually see the data and see what's happening in your body, because sometimes the us, what gets us into burnout are subtle sometimes, and we can't monitor them. For those that work shift work, the first responders I work with, the just seeing how a shift or a call affected you, how quickly do you come down after a call is huge because that'll let you know if you should be taking some proactive steps based on that call or if you're good after that call. And if the tools that you are using are effective or if you need to add some more tools into your tool base. Also, there are some supplementation that we use with first responders for certain stressed situations and being able to actually see when your stress system is not coming down, you know, oh, I'm just going to go and have this supplement now that I know will support my stress system now for what's happening. 
that is going to do you so much good in the long term. Same thing in an office when you're working projects, when you're working with certain people that may, mm, let's say the people that are an acquired taste, people that may get on your nerves or um, stress you out for certain reasons. You may find that one day they are stressing you out more than another, and you can then start taking out certain tools on that day or start seeing that even something that's exciting you is actually getting you into the red zone. So going into a meeting, if you're going into a meeting, you should be a little bit excited. So the way that the stress monitoring works is it has three levels, zero to one, one to two, and two to three. Zero to one is where you're really calm, you're relaxed, you're sleeping. Hopefully that's where you stay when you're sleeping. One to two is where you're neutral, you're alert, you're mildly active. That's where you're like going to and from work, doing your work during the day, you're you know, having a conversation, maybe going for a walk, those easy things. And two to three is where you're excited or you're stressed and you're, or you're highly active. So working out, putting, pushing physically. That would be a two to three. So at the start of a meeting, when you're going into a meeting that you're really excited about and you want to present something, or it's a, a big deal that you're closing, you may be at a two or three to start. But if you stay during that entire meeting in a two to three, if you don't move back to that neutral um, alert area of a one to two, then that means that you are pushing your body a little bit too much and or your body is staying in a stressed state for too long and it's releasing so many stress hormones which have an impact on your body and push you further into burnout and knowing that you know okay I can put some tools in right now there's things you can do right during a meeting I've I'll mention breathing over and over again but switching if you're like oh shoot I'm breathing through my mouth switch to your nose that simple switch may move you from a two to three down to a one to two. So really understanding where you're at and the more that you can see what's stressing you out and the more you can go, okay, I've got these tools. Let me in that situation next time be in a stress state less and less. You then are not going to be, no, that's not the wording. You are reducing your risk of getting into burnout and you're increasing your ability to get out of burnout if you are in burnout. So as I said, the this stress monitor um, goes between, if you see on my screen here, if you're looking, you'll see there is the zero to one, a one to two and a two to three, and it's on a graph. So it, it shows you on a graph of where you're going. You can, it'll also show you exactly in the moment where you are. So the two images that I have right now, one is I'm at a 0.6 and one I'm at a 1.0. So I'm just, both of those, I'm right on that cusp of the really calm, relaxed and getting into a neutral state. So how they calculate this is they use your resting heart rate, or sorry, not your resting heart rate, your heart rate, because you're not resting throughout all of this time because you're awake as well. You're using your heart rate and your HRV. HRV is your heart rate variability. It's the variability of your heart beats, which is an indicator of how your body is recovering from stress. So they use these two markers to be able to tell. And it's fascinating because there's times where 
you may be doing a workout and you're, because of the conditioning that you're in, your heart rate actually may not be up really, really high. It might not be working in your thresholds of your high heart rate, but you may still be stressing out your body based on what you're doing. So we can actually think of some things with yoga. There are some moves with yoga or Pilates where your heart rate's not going to be up, but you are sweating and they are hard as heck with the things that you're doing. When you're doing some um, certain movements in the gym where you really have to focus on the balance as you're weaving in and out, it may not be a max weight or you may not be taxing yourself max to your cardio, but your body is stressed as you're doing it. Um, you may also situations at work or in the office where you're not physically fighting a fight. You're not even moving. You're at your desk, but certain emails are coming in and all of that, that your heart rate does speed up a bit, but not to your max heart rates, but your heart rate variability changes drastically showing that your body is in stressed state. So they use these two markers in order to be able to tell what your, um, to monitor your stress um, from moment to moment. Now, the one thing that, that with this, um, with this stress monitor is that it shows you the last 12 hours. So you have to keep, keep taking screenshots if you want to see like days before and to, um, it like, so for me to do this episode for you, I actually pushed it a few days because I had to start taking screenshots in order to give you the data, um, to visually show you as well what was going on. So sometimes a two to three, as I said, is good and sometimes it's bad. So there are things now, as I said, with exercise, you may find that with exercise, you it's really good to be getting up there, pushing yourself to that two to three on a day that your body can handle it. And that on the whoop as well is where you have your other recovery scores and scuff, stuff, which helps you to understand if you should be pushing really hard that day. And you will get to a between a two and three if you are doing a really tough workout. Cold plunges. These are all the rage right now. And the thing is with the cold plunge is it should, it stresses your body. It should bring you to that between that two and three. The thing is, is how fast do you recover from it? If you recover really quickly from it, then what that is doing is training you to handle the stress and be able to build up your tolerance for stress. If you don't recover quickly, if you stay in that three, between that two to three for quite a while, even after you've come out, or you stay in really in the high twos after coming out and you don't drop into more of a relaxed state or a low neutral state, then your body, it might've been too much stress for your body. And you'll also see that in your recovery scores on the whoop, where the next day you may find that your body's not recovering as well. Your recovery scores will be lower. So understanding when it is good and when it is bad food intolerances, this is a great one. I'm going to be going through my, uh, um, a couple of my curves here with you and you'll see um, I did mention the spicy lentil soup, but I know for me, if I eat gluten, uh, mine will spike because uh, I cannot tolerate gluten in my body and same with some other foods. So it's, it's fascinating 
for me, one of my struggles is actually capsules of supplements. And that took forever for me to figure that out because every time I was having all these gut issues and my stress was going up and all of these things for years. And I mean, years, and I would go to different practitioners and each one would give me different supplements and the actual supplement inside the capsule would help me a little bit, but taking the capsules on a daily basis would set me back again. That had I been able to see, I did not have a tracker for the longest time. It was the tracking that helped me figure that out. But because as soon as I took all of my capsules out, all of the supplements out, instantly my stress went away on, on my stats. I still felt like crap because my body was so depleted and had been taxed for so long, but my stats showed me my HRV, my stress marker changed. I wonder had I been, had they had this stress monitor, I am sure that as soon as I stopped taking them, um, that would have just leveled out so much that I'm sure that every time I took a supplement, it would have spiked that now I'm slowly introducing supplements one by one, two to three weeks at a time, introducing a new one and checking my stats to see how I'm doing with each supplement. If it actually helps my stress, I recently just started taking a uh, B stack that um, I've never been able to take because of the capsules and my HRV has gone up 10 to 20. Like that's huge. 10 to 20 marks HRV from adding um, a stress stack of B vitamins, a certain stress stack, stack that my body need needed. So certain supplements are very, very beneficial to you and certain ones are not. So being able to track on a stress monitor, if you take one at night and you find that your body is more stressed out and you do that for two to three days in a row. And every time you take that supplement, you see that your stress markers on the stress monitor are, are off, then you'll know that, well, it's either the capsule or it's the supplement that is setting you off. So you'll know that that supplement is not for you. If you see the opposite, that you actually get calmer, you get better results, then you know that it is for you because you don't always feel the results of a supplement right away. So it's hard to know if something's working or not, but when you can really see the um, markers, it's just, it shows you right away what is and is not working. I mean, I loved all the information I could get from the week before. I did look at the sleep curve a lot and where the heart rate dropped and different things. Um, this makes this way more user-friendly and it's also during the day, which is just adds another level. Um, for the first responders, just seeing as well, how long do you come down after a call? Especially a call that's cleared. You should come down fast after a call that's cleared. But if you don't, then that's telling you that your stress system is really being taxed. And that's where you need to start implementing certain tools to help with that. All right, let's go through my sleep. So this one here is uh, from a couple of days ago where I had a really, really, well, my sleeps are usually really, really good right now because I don't have gut issues. And so this one took it from 1140 PM and I took 12 hours. So it took it until about noon the next day. And you can see on this graph where I woke up exactly because I am hovering 
probably about a 0.4, it looks like 0.4, 0.5 in my sleep. And that is amazing. That means that I'm not in a stressed state. I'm not snoring. I'm not breathing through my mouth. I'm not doing a lot of tossing and turning. I'm having a really great leveled sleep where my body can heal and repair. I'm not in a stressed state in my sleep. And that is amazing. And you can see we have a cat and this cat loves to, I don't know, he knows we're all in bed, but for some reason around, if he wanders the house, sometimes he'll just meow from the bottom of the stairs until we call him. And then he comes up into bed with us. And he tends to do that around 4.30 every morning. And you can see that on this graph where I spiked at 4.30 in the morning. So it's very interesting. You start seeing like all of your trends and what you do. And as we're going through, you can see that I was actually in a highly active state for um, above a two in more of that stress zone. And I was not working out um, for most of that morning, which um, believe my next image is actually of. So yes, this is my next image. And you will see that a lot of spikes. I am in that one to two range, that neutral range for quite a bit, but there are certain spikes that I have going on here. And when you have those spikes, um, it's really interesting because you can see the things that are stressing you out. I homeschool a child. My child is a 2E child, which means that he is highly, highly gifted ahead in certain subjects, but he also has another diagnosis that brings him, that gives him a lot of learning challenges as well. So he has a memory processing that is through the roof. Um, the things this kid takes in visually and auditorily is ridiculous but his brain struggles to slow down. He also doesn't have the emotional or the intellectual intelligence to be able to handle everything that he takes in in a day. So when I'm giving him, he also then has something called dysgraphia, which is where his brain is also going so fast. He can't get words out on paper by hand fast enough that he struggles to write more than a sentence um, by hand. Anything that's by hand, he struggles with. Um, and steps, when you give him steps, if you don't go fast enough through the steps, he can't slow his brain down enough to comprehend what you're saying. So <laughs> homeschooling him has been interesting. We're trying to figure out how he learns. And you can see in my spikes around 9 a.m. I was trying to teach him. We're trying to do financial literacy of which this kid is ridiculous when he's learning with Pokemon, all the buy and sell and trading of cards. Um, he knows when cards are going to lower in price when new sets comes out and sells things at a higher value for lower. So I'm starting to get him into like stocks and investing and stuff like that. And just going over the steps with him was at nine o'clock. And you can see I spiked at nine o'clock and uh, it was tough. And you can see how I calm myself down a little bit we go up, we go down and you'll see there's the one where we actually got to, I'm just about, I'm above a one a little bit and below a one a little bit. That's where him and I were like, you know what? We need to go for a walk. He knows it's tough too. He's trying his best. He's only nine years old, 
Um, so after he explodes, we stop and we try to reset ourselves. So we went for a walk around the block and you can see I lowered again and then we came back and tried again and I spiked again. So you can start seeing how much it stresses you out. And then after that, I let him be. And I went in the office. Oh no, then I went and had a shower. And you can see, I am like between a zero and one after that. So the good thing about this is seeing this is that yes, I was in a very stressful situation, but as soon as it was over, I recovered fast. When I was in burnout, this never would have happened ever. I would have stayed high. I would have stayed living in it. I, I wouldn't have been able to get my body. I can switch in and out of a stress state and into a relaxed state like so fast now. As soon as I know that I'm in it, I can drop. And you could see this in my stress monitoring here. You can see where I go high and drop, you know, and then I stay low and then I get high again and I drop. So this interesting thing is, so what we were doing in the afternoon is I was taking my kids to the university to a math. Um, there was a, a math thing for homeschooling kids, which was really super cool. And both my kids are really ahead in math. So it's like, hey, let's do this. So I pulled the one that actually is in school out. We got him. And then we went on the subway. And that's what I was saying earlier, the smells. The subway car we went in, uh, we don't normally get this situation, but it was fuller than usual. It was raining. It was starting to rain. So there's more people on the subway than usual. And it smelled of fabric softener. And my one son and I instantly looked at each other. He instantly covered his face. And, um, and we both just made it through. But you can see how much I spiked on that. And then as soon as we got off the train, you can see it. And so we got there into the building. I got them sorted. And you can see all the time where they were in this math thing, I was sitting outside in a really nice quiet study area for the university kids. And I was doing my work and I was productive and I was kicking butt and I got under a one, relaxed, getting all the stuff I needed to do in the office. It was amazing. And then you can see again, this was an interesting trip home. It started spitting rain as we were running to a streetcar. And my one child, I was like, oh, we've got to run to get the streetcar. He instantly panicked and almost ran into live traffic. And I had to scream at him to get him to stop and come back. And so you can see where I spiked on that. And then we got on the streetcar and it was good. And we were relaxed on the streetcar. There weren't any smells. Um, when we got on the subway, there weren't smells on that one too. It was great. But you can see where I spiked here. There was a bit on the subway. It got me, but we ended up we got off at another subway stop and we were going to pick up something for the sun that he had been waiting and waiting and waiting for. And it was torrential rains by the time we got there, that there was no way we, we, there was no forecast for rain that day. We didn't, an umbrella wouldn't have even helped. It was sheets going sideways of rain. And so we, I was standing at the door and I'm like, we can't, I, I can't, we can't go. Like we cannot get go out these doors outside, we will get drenched and we're picking up Pokemon cards, which are really expensive cards. And he's got his bag full of Pokemon cards, um, his really good sets. And like, we can't, everything's gonna get drenched. He knew I was right, but he was very upset. So we got back in the subway and headed home and he was, he was okay on the subway. I got them snacks and they were calming. And you can see this in all my stats, you can see where we calm down. And we were like, okay, we're going to get torrential rain when we get to our houses. So 
we actually put our coats over our bags on our back. It was my one son's idea and it was brilliant because it would have protected all of our cards, all of our computers, all of our stuff in our bags, which we weren't prepared for, for this torrential lane. We got off the subway and it was snowing. Like, welcome to Canada at the end of March. This is, you know, this happens in Canada. It was snowing, which is hilarious. So we ran home in the snow. So we didn't get wet and our stuff didn't get wet, which was totally fine. It just, we brushed the snow off and we got into our house and we were good. And you can see all that here where all of these stressors happened. You can see these in my spikes in my monitor. When we came home, my husband was home and I told him what happened. And I'm like, I'm going upstairs and I'm going to go do some of my breathing exercises. I'm like, cause I've had a very stressful day. And so you can see where I really got down low to where I'd get when I'm almost sleeping. And then, uh, and then you can see the spike. Then my husband took the kids to volleyball. I had the house to myself. I grabbed a bag of chips and I ate a bag of chips, which is one of the things that I do sometimes when I'm stressed is crunch and salt because your body flies through salt when you're stressed. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to have a bag of chips. I'm going to sit here and watch some trashy TV. And you can see the start of this spike because of the chips. Now, this is the thing I was saying earlier that I love. I love to sit and just chill and watch some TV and eat a bag of chips. And to me, that is, it feels so good during the time of how much I feel like it de-stresses me. But look at this next graph. This next graph is my sleep. So this was one in the morning still. I'm spiked. I am between the one and the two all the way up until I'm going to guess because it just, it doesn't give you exact times. I'm going to guess this goes until about three o'clock in the morning until I finally came down three in the morning. Now I go to bed around nine o'clock at night. So my body from nine o'clock until 3 a.m. was struggling to digest those chips, all the chemicals. Like I'm very sensitive to things too. This may not be what eating a bag of chips looks like to you. I am very, very sensitive to processed foods. I'm very sensitive to um, all the, the, the flavorings, the chemicals, all of that stuff. So as much as I enjoyed sitting and watching that trash and having a bag of chips, it messed up my sleep so bad and it messed up my digestion. So when you're in this one to two, you can't get into a good sleep. When you're sleeping in a one to two, I was probably breathing through my mouth. Um, I'm living in my stress nerve. My gut can't digest properly. So I'm not, a lot of the hormones are released through your gut as well. I'm not releasing all of these hormones that are supposed to heal and repair and realign yourself and make sure that your stress system is where it's supposed to be. And this is where I'm saying I am a highly sensitive person. So I do need to be more cautious than some people. Having this stress monitor lets you know where you stand, right? Because you may not at all be... A bag of chips may affect the first hour of your sleep, maybe the first two hours of your sleep. And if you're sleeping for eight hours, yeah, getting six hours of a good quality sleep is the cusp of where you really wouldn't want to be. But if you have nothing to do the next day or, or it's totally worth it, then absolutely go for it. But for me, 
after looking at these stats and it hit me from nine to 10, 11, 12, one, two, three, six hours, six hours of my sleep, excuse me, six hours of my sleep, backups. Um, six hours of my sleep was affected because of that bag of chips. And you look at my next day, you can see on this curve here, I spiked. Oh, I know what happened that day too. Yes. So if you look at the day before, I'm going to go to, remember the day before where I said that, yeah, where I was teaching my son. And if you see on this chart, I spiked, but if you look on this graph, I'm still a green color starting to turn into the orangey color, which means like you're on a higher alert color for stress. That's when my son, oh, here, yeah. This is where I was teaching my son first, the financial literacy course at first. The next day, if you look at this chart, I am almost at the top. I'm almost at a full on three. That is not green. That is an orange color that is right there now. My tolerance for handling my son's outburst and for being able to manage him and homeschool him and deal with trying to figure out how his brain works. I can't go as fast as he needs me to go sometimes. So I need to figure out strategies, which an amazing friend just helped me with saying like, why don't you record his lessons on video and then he can speed them up and watch them at a speed that works for his brain. Um, that might be the solution, but the difference between the night that I ate that bag of chips and it stressed out my body so much and I'm not in burnout, right? When I was in burnout, these things used to just put me flat under. Um, so I was living in a stress state all of the time when I was in burnout, but with this, that one night of eating that bag of chips made my next day horrible. That next day was a brutal day, brutal day. I had so much trouble keeping calm with my son. I had so much trouble focusing in the office. I got a headache. I was supposed to actually record this podcast episode and I couldn't, I could not because of a bag of chips. Like it, it's fascinating when you start diving into what your stressors are. As I said, I am like this bomb sniffing dog. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm totally like a canine that, um, that is trained in this with their nose for sensitivities. So for any of you that are sensitive, this is a good, and this is where I was also getting excited about it because I was speaking last week with somebody who is actually doing um, her dissertation with those, with adults who are highly sensitive and 2E. I'm, I didn't realize that I am actually 2E as well, where I'm, I guess, ahead in certain subjects, uh, the way that I learn and stuff as well, but I've also had to, um, the way that I learn is a little bit differently too that certain environments because of my sensitivities, um, I actually struggle to learn in, which is just fascinating. Um, so that's why sometimes I totally geek out on all this science stuff is I really dive into subjects, which is part of my 2E neurodiverse side, um, which is good for you because then I'm up to date on all the science and helping get you out of burnout and finding things like the stress monitor, but I was thinking for her where so many people who are sensitive, like for me, it, it did take my husband seeing my son and I like 
instant reactions where he would walk in the house with something and instantly my son who were and I were like happily hanging out playing doing things are instantly like yelling and screaming and mad because of how much how quickly these synthetic fragrances affect us and he would not have known it so a lot of people don't get how much certain things do stress us out when we are so sensitive to certain things to our environment um to all sorts of things that having this monitor we'd be able to see as well i had struggles a lot reason i pulled my son out of school um is because he was so stressed and i see now why um he was bored to tears grade three he tested grade eight level math and they were just giving him grade three math and he, he was just bored to tears the teacher would just let him read every single day um, but he also was struggling to manage because of how fast his brain goes and all the things that he was taking and he would have outbursts and he was able to keep it in most of the time at school, but at home, he was set off that had we been able to monitor him, then I could have actually shown the school. This is how stressed this child is. Cause they would say, oh, your kid's fine. No, your kid is, he only has outbursts. They're just really quick. And then he's, and then. I'll the teacher will turn to look and doesn't even know who just yelled because it's over, but they don't see how stressed he was before that outburst. So these are the things that we can visually see with kids. These are things that we can see in so much different research, the amazing things that they can use this for. Like I just, I got so excited when I was, was reading this, but it, this just even this week alone has helped me see that yesterday I needed a down day. I needed a day to recover from, we had a couple of late nights from that bag of chips, ridiculously as that sounds. Um, and my son and I needed a break from one another of the learning new things. So I didn't teach him anything new yesterday. We chilled, we did things that he liked to do that stimulated his brain. I did some work in the office that was calming and relaxing for me. And we made sure we got walks in. We made sure we did our breathing. We made sure that we pulled out the tools that both of us know that do reset our stress systems. And now I'm in here recording. Um, I have a brain. I'm clear. I'm able to talk to you. I'm able to do things. So really understanding how to read these things, how to work with it, how to know what you, your body needs on your days off. Do you need to really push hard in a workout and relieve stress? Is that what you need? Or do you need to do more restorative things with your day? How much does food affect you and how and 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 how does it not? Alcohol, that's a great one. How much does it affect you? It doesn't affect some people and it really affects others. Some people it takes two, three, four days to get your recovery scores back down after alcohol. And some people, eh, maybe the next day is just a little off and then they're good. So really finding out what it does for you especially when you're in burnout. Um, this is huge. This, this alone is going to allow me to expedite where I can go with clients, um, really be able to get us to hone in on what their biggest stressors are and be able to implement strategies that they're able to implement within the um, energy and bandwidth that they do have in order to give them relief. With first responders, quite often the first relief we'd give them were certain supplements that would support their stress system enough so that they could then start implementing other, ste other steps to bring down their stress um, to be able to start controlling their resting system so they weren't living in a stress system. So 
there's different strategies based on where you're at, what I'm seeing. How quick are you recovering from things? Like seeing how quick you recover will show your progress when you start taking ownership of when you're in a stress state and when you're in a resting state. Like this is just so cool. Um, I love this so much. So I am going to post this video down below. I do want to let you know that if you are in deep burnout, you will see probably one of two things. Either you stress out and you get above into that two or three really high for small things during your day all the time, or you might actually be shut down and you might not get high at all for anything, anything. Um, and your system is just so shut down. Those are the, oh, I don't know how deep to go into the science here. It's part of what we call the polyvagal theory. It's like a ladder. There's three stages, one where you are calm, ready, good for everything. That's where you're in your proper stress and resting states where you can switch in and out. You know, when you need to be on, you're on. When you need to relax, you can relax. The next stage down of that ladder is that hyper arousal, hyper activity, um, where you get quick to anger, quick anxiety, panic attacks, um, anxiety attacks, where you're really just quick, quick, quick to react, hyper vigilant, on edge. That is where you'll see where during the day you probably will spend a lot of time in these upper twos and threes on this stress monitor and the stage below that. So that's deeper is going to be that zero to one stage. So that is deep, deep burnout. And I'm sure that's where I used to be, where I couldn't work out. I couldn't get an adrenaline rush from a workout anymore. I couldn't get an adrenaline rush from anything anymore. My body had just shut down. I still had the anger. So I'm sure that I would have popped past the two and three when I had the anger that came out. Um, but the rest of the time, I was probably so low down in my stats. So when you're coming out of burnout, when you're coming out of that, you may see that you start off, if you're really deep, spending a lot of time in that zero to one stage where you feel nothing, where pretty much everything's shut out and you're zoned out. And with the odd peaks in that two to three, but not a lot of time, probably in that one to two, in that middle range. And what you'll find is you're getting out that you're actually going to start first getting more in the high range. You're going to be more high alert. You might start getting angry at things, mad at things. You might start um, where you're, you're just mad, angry, anxiety starts kicking in more because you're feeling again. That's your stress system starting to come out of hibernation and starting to actually improve. That seeing that on the stress monitor for me coaching you, I'd be like, oh, yes, you're working your way out. This is a good thing. And then we start working on strategies that start helping you switch from that stressed state, that anger, anxiety state into that calm state. So know that there are stages and know that if you're looking at this video, I'm not in burnout anymore. My gut is pretty good other than the time that I had chips and you'll see that in there. Um, that, but this was a stressful week for me. So you'll start seeing in yours, yours should look different. Um, then this may look different, um, depending on if you're in burnout, depending on if you're what stage of burnout, that hyper arousal stage or that really debilitated stage. Um, so just know that 
that if you're looking and you have so many different stressors, so many different things, that's where I come in. If you don't have a lot of stressors and you can say, oh, it's driving, you can actually start working on that most likely on your own, start working on it. But if you don't want to, I'm absolutely here to help you out. I will work with you guys at any stage, but do know that if you are in the deep stages and you're looking at this and you're like, where do I start? I've got your back. I'm there for you. You are not in this alone. I've got you and burnout is a friggin' beast. And I can definitely help you with that. I do have a couple of spots still available in my coaching calendar during the week. So fire me off an email. My email is below in the show notes, andy, A-N-D-I at 911lifestyle.com. I am in the process right now of building out a website for the Burnout Expert podcast where all my podcasts will be there. Um, All the links that I mentioned and stuff will always be on that website as well and all the links to the podcast episodes. So that is it for today's episode. I thank you so much um, for listening this. I am so excited about this. If you have any questions, let me know. If you are interested in a Whoop Band, I do have a discount code. I believe it's for a first month free or something like that from Whoop um, that I will link in the show notes below as well that gets you a free month to get started on Whoop if you'd like. If you have any questions about Whoop, just let me know. Um, I will help you best I can. And if you do have a Whoop, I do have a Whoop group called Beat Burnout. I'll put the code as well to join that group in the Whoop app. Um, Yeah, in the show notes below. All right, that is it for today's episode. I will see you next week.